You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. It's the national NFL flagship of the Locked On Podcast Network that brings you your team every day. We are the number one local sports daily podcast in the entire world. And we are booming, to say the least. And a big reason we are is Mark Schofield, who hosts Locked On Patriots. But as you know by now, he's going to join me every Wednesday. And he brings much, much more to the table than just Patriots talk. And we're not going to talk any Patriots today. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little confused as to some news that just broke that I know we're going to get into. Oh, we're getting right uh, into I'm it. But I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. So let's do that. Let's pull back the curtain. It is noon here on Wednesday, so this just happened. So this is our initial reactions. You guys have probably heard by now. It's hard to break news on a podcast into your ears. But Joe Flacco, in kind of an Alex Smith-like move, was traded from the Ravens to the Broncos. We don't know any part of the deal except for it becomes official on March 13th. Remember that was Smith last year? I mean, it was kind of a... You knew it was going to happen, but there's a date that it has to become official. The Ravens open up $10.5 million in cap space, but they have $16 million in dead money by trading him. And, Mark, I'll get to you in one second, but Flacco deals have been basically the worst of this generation, just talking money and contracts, and they're still paying for it. It cost them $16 million. I thought a lot of us assumed he would get cut. But if you're the Broncos, at least you don't have to fight for them on the open market now. My hunch is they didn't give up a lot in return. You know, a fifth-round pick, maybe something like that, just so that they could assure that they didn't have to fight the Jags and teams like that to get Flacco. I'll give you my reactions in a moment. But, Mark, what do you think about this? This is a curious decision for me. And, you know, we can talk about John Elway's ability to evaluate quarterbacks if we want to. But... I get why you might want to secure a veteran-type quarterback that can maybe give you a year or two if you're looking at still drafting a quarterback. And I don't think trading for Flacco forecloses that idea that they even draft a quarterback in the first round. But is Joe Flacco at this kind of money that much of an upgrade over what they have right now in case Keenum? And now you're either going to have to cut Keenum and you're looking at $10 million in dead cap for this year if you do that, in which case you've wrapped up you know, close to like $30 million in the quarterback room before adding a rookie, or you somehow keep him, and then you're looking at like $40 million right. in the quarterback room with, with Flacco and Keenum, and you're still going to have to think about the quarterback position for the future. So it's a No matter what, you have a lot moves. invested in two quarterbacks, You've whether you like these guys or not. You've got a lot invested in two quarterbacks, and what are Case Keenum and Joe Flacco going to deliver for you over the next couple of years? Who do you like better? See, I'm not even sure that Flacco's a, a, an upgrade. I'm not even sure Flacco's an upgrade either. Right. I guess I like Flacco, but you better protect him. I know Munchak goes there. I bet they like that aspect of it. But, I mean, I I don't – if I'm the Ravens, fine. You know, yeah. I mean, if I get a draft pick out of them, great. I was going to cut him anyways. It doesn't affect the Ravens. We knew this was where the Ravens would be when free agency opened anyway. If I'm a Broncos fan right now, I'm not happy at all. I don't see how you can be. And we won't know compensation until, you know, March 13th. I doubt it's anything more at best. 
you know, if you're the Ravens, you're, you're probably getting back a fourth. If you're lucky, but yeah. I mean, it's, if you're lucky. It's a day three pick, probably. It, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's the money. It's the money here. That's, that's yeah. the situation. And, you know, again – you're still probably going to have to draft a quarterback relatively early unless you think you can somehow keep both of these guys because you're going to need two and punt it to next year. See, I think and, that's the more likely scenario. If you and, make and this move, my hunch is you don't draft a quarterback. Yeah. And certainly then, and don't then, trade up for one. Right. And then if that's the route you go, say this pans out as best case scenario for them. You're still in a division with the Chiefs and the Chargers. Okay, so you're probably not going to overtake one of those teams and win the division. So if you somehow pull this off and get into the playoffs, it's a wild card. So you're still finishing in that nine, seven, ten and six kind of range. And then you're in the 20s next year and you want to draft a quarterback in next year's class. You're going to have to get up somehow. It it just see, I don't know that. I mean, they could be they could pick top five next year. Yeah, they could go the absolute other way. I mean, this could be. But then. If you're going to be do- going down that road, why spend the money for Joe Flacco? Just ride with right, Case Keenum. Right. Don't build around you know Flacco. Just ride with Case Keenum. Sell off the spare parts to Marius Thomas. You've done moves like that. Like you know where this team is going. Go that way. Don't spend money. You, you're just putting you know good money after bad doing this move. Yeah, I don't understand it at all. I mean, you opened the, the conversation questioning Elway's ability to evaluate quarterbacks and I think that's come to the forefront here and I've I've said it all along that this is a quietly dysfunctional team you know no one talks about them like the Browns they used to or the right you know I I think that they are very Elway dependent and there's a statue of them out front and uh, whenever we were talking about available head coaching jobs I had this right at the bottom of the list like I wouldn't want to go in there and have to deal with my boss not necessarily being good at what he does. And, and I was talking to the host of Locked on Dolphins yesterday, two days ago, and he, you know, he was saying, well, Dan Marino's now going to be really a part of our next quarterback search. I'm like, just because you can throw the ball doesn't mean you're good at evaluating quarterbacks. Right. You know, and especially you're talking about Elway Marino, two more old school type guys that yeah, you know, right. maybe in the 90s, they could evaluate quarterbacks when we see the league where the league is trending. Like, do you think Elway's going to have a, a Kyler Murray at the top of his board? No, we've heard all along that he loves Drew Locke. And that look at the sense. guys that right. Elway has sort of brought in. You've got your Brock Osweilers, your Paxton Lynches. You know, he hit on Madden only because you know nobody else really was. People were wary of Madden because of the injury, and they put an incredible defense around him. And now you're making this move for Joe Flacco. I mean, it just seems like. He seems to be viewing the quarterback position in one mold, while the league seems to be trending towards mold breakers in a sense. Yeah, that's well said. You know, and Danny Marino might be the best quarterback evaluator ever. I'm yeah. just saying, just because he was good at the position doesn't make them a good evaluator. And you're right. I mean, Elway, considering the guys he's brought in, might not be seeing the future at the position and might be a little bit in the Stone Ages. Do you think there's any market? I mean, these things might come out by the time people listen to this, but does somebody want Keenum? I mean, again, it would still hurt your cap to trade him, but I can't see the Jags or the Redskins or somebody saying, oh, now we can go get Keenum off Denver. I mean, you mentioned Travis and locked on Dolphins. The only scenario I could picture is you you could tell that they want to move on from Tannehill. Yeah, he'll be Maybe, gone. Right. You know, if you're Miami, you get you go out, you, you – do what it takes to get a Case Keenum. Do what it takes, you know, fourth round pick or whatever. Okay. 
And then because we know they're all in our next year's class anyway. And you're going to need somebody to take the snaps. Somebody has to play quarterback, right. I mean, so you maybe Case Keenum is the guy for the year. I mean, other than that, like if you're Washington, you know, obviously you probably need to address the quarterback position because you don't know about Alex Smith. But is, is Case Keenum really worth it as opposed to just sitting there, you know, what are they at, 14 and just drafting a guy that falls in your lap and rolling the dice there? Probably, probably not. No, probably not that kind of an upgrade. If you're Jacksonville, I think when you're looking at Keenum and Foles, you're probably looking at it and saying, no, nah, I'll roll with Foles over Case Keenum. Yeah, I mean, I think all those teams at a minimum are going to see where the free agent dominoes fall. Right. You know, like, I might rather have Tannehill if I'm Washington. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's not a big difference. It's not like, boy, I'm calling Elway right now. I, I mean, maybe Keenum does get moved. And that would make more sense just in terms of the roster. Go into the season with Flacco and Locke, okay? I mean, that makes some sense. But like you said to open the segment, it's just a massive amount of money. Yeah. It's just a big – it's just a – again, this just got dropped in our lap. But it's just a curious decision. And obviously, like, Elway, if he has a vision, a full-fledged, like, long-term perspective and short-term perspective on this, we'll see that unfold over the next couple of weeks and months. But sitting here right now, did you think, Matt, that the first quarterback domino to fall this offseason no, right. was going to be Flacco? Yeah, I mean, like, I think we all assume, look, Foles is going to go somewhere. Then that's going to set the kind of marketplace and then we'll go from there. But seeing the Foles trade come first was kind of a shocker. Yeah, I mentioned a year ago it was the Alex Smith move. Well, that made sense. You know, Mahomes yeah. was sitting there much like Jackson, but Mahomes is better. We know that now. But Smith was coming off a really good year, you know, and obviously I, the offense helped him. I mean, uh, why do we look at Flacco over the last five years' body of work and say, yeah, yeah, that should be our guy? You know, Pat Thornton, a uh, fantasy guy, put out an incredible tweet that just said, Raheem Moore is still killing the Broncos, which I thought was <laughs> just a fantastic way to put it. Because, yeah, what in Flacco's last couple of years of work has said screams to you, he's the guy to go make the first move for in the quarterback carousel. I mean, he just got benched for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have basically said, we're moving on from this guy. And Raheem Moore's misplay is like the one thing that sort of set the Flacco is elite argument in motion. Because if he makes a better play on that Hail Mary, you know, things turn out a lot differently. Yeah. You know, we don't have a situation where Flacco goes into Denver and then goes into New England, beats Manning, beats Brady, wins a Super Bowl, and now he has that sort of Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl winner type crutch that he can lean on to get the big deal and all that kinds of stuff. I mean, we have a lot of new listeners, so I haven't mentioned this to them before. And some have heard this. I apologize. You probably haven't. I'm a Flacco fan. I mean, I found him, to be very honest with you. My, one of my claims to fame at Pitt was from Little Audubon High School. This tape came across my desk, and we had no idea who Joe Flacco was. And wow. You know, I mean, like, and, and obviously it didn't work out. He transferred to Delaware. So, I mean, I toured him all through Pitt. You know, we were his biggest offer. He was not a highly recruited guy. So I root for him. But I also don't think he's the the Josh McCown bridge guy. I mean, he didn't exactly help Lamar Jackson's case. No, that, you know, it certainly seemed like reading in between the lines that, you know, it was more of an RG3 mentorship yeah. than it was a Joe Flacco mentorship. And look, 
you know, that's a tough situation. You know, you realize that you're mortal and you're at the end of your run and they've brought in the guy to replace you. And some guys handle it one way and some guys handle it another way. Not everybody goes the Alex Smith route. We're reading and hearing about how Smith was incredible with Mahomes, like brought him under his win and stuff like that. Not everybody handles it that way. This is your job, you know? And so it's a tough situation. But that being said, look, Baltimore had a decision to make and they've made it. And clearly John Elway had a decision to make, and he seems to have made his. Yeah, and again, sum it up. If I'm a Broncos fan, I'm not happy. If I'm a Ravens fan, I at least got something back for him. So great. I mean, I'm thrilled. I knew he was going to be gone anyway. Um, I've been telling you guys the last couple weeks that I have a new favorite podcast. It's called That's Gold with Steve Heitner. And any of you Seinfeld fans, I hope all of you are Seinfeld fans, know who Steve Heitner is. He is. He played Kenny Banya, uh, the, the comedian... Um, opposite Jerry, who had the, the That's Gold Jerry was a slogan. So on That's Gold, Steve is joined by co-host Rich Johnson to talk about everything that you guys love. Sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, music, Vegas. And they come at you five days a week. And it's much like this format where it's just like sitting at the bar with myself. But with Steve, a lot more famous dudes stop by to discuss all these different things. So check out That's Gold with Steve Heitner on Apple and Google Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and do Steve and I a favor and leave us at both a good review while you're there and hit the subscribe button. All right, we are back. More news. Kareem Hunt is now a Brown. And Dorsey drafted him with the Chiefs. They don't have a need here. He's in a, a very good player. Um... I have a problem with this, though. And I do, I'm anyone that listens to me, I'm very much, everyone deserves a second chance. Hunt did not have a reputation before his incident. But if you're the Browns building from ground zero, the, do you want to bring in character, guys? And I know they just did with Callaway, and I know this is what Dorsey does. And to take it a step further, he's not... A defensive tackle, a defensive end, a corner, a left tackle, a number one receiver. And I mention those positions because I think those are the Browns' positions of need. He's another really good running back. And I don't know that this is smart business. I don't think so either. And what's interesting, you know, you mentioned character guys because what we've seen over the past year, maybe year, a couple of months here in Cleveland is the changing of the culture, right? You're getting right. away from Hugh Jackson. You bring in Baker Mayfield, who's going to be that sort of – and maybe Baker's got some – I don't want to use character concerns because I don't want to put them on par with what we've seen from Kareem Hunt. But like, sure. you know, we've seen things with Baker, like, you know, the gestures on the sidelines and the fractured perhaps relationship with Hugh Jackson. But I think that comes from a competitive nature of Baker Mayfield. Look, he's I the mean, guy that was that, certainly a question him coming out of school. Was, yeah. How's he going to jive with NFL teammates? You know, he's a guy that wants to cut your throat out of the 50 yard line. He doesn't want to just beat you. He wants to kill you. He wants to end you. That's who Baker Mayfield is. But to then it seems to be to take sort of not a U-turn, but like a left turn and now go out and get Kareem Hunt. And like you said, Matt, not a big position of need. You've got Nick Chubb. Maybe the thinking here is you're going to take Duke Johnson to make him more of a slot receiver type guy. He's not going to be a true running back. Mm-hmm. But is Kareem Hunt at the running back position 
that much of a need when you can look at you know some other free agents that might be out there, some other guys in this draft class, you could probably get them like a day three so you can still address the bigger needs early and add in a guy that might be a running back type piece that he won't be have Kareem Hunt's talent, but he doesn't bring the baggage with it. It just seems to be you've made the move to change the culture, and this is sort of a step back from that. And again, this is a visual world we live in now. We can see it. You know, it's not a situation where we don't exactly know what happened that night. Like Tyree Kills. Right, right. We know exactly what happened. We've seen it. And now you've got to handle that from a PR perspective, you know, throughout the rest of the season. And it's going to linger because he'll be facing a suspension. You won't have him right away. And so what if you're like five and one or so? He's got a six-game suspension. Now you've got to deal with, oh, he's coming back into the fold. How are you going to use him? You're going to have to answer all those questions yet again. It just doesn't the, – the benefits here don't seem to outweigh the risks for me. And look, I'm with you. People deserve second chances in life. But do you have to be the team that gives them that second chance? Right. I mean, honestly, I, I wasn't going to bring up the Patriots. But if you went to the Patriots and established culture, I get it. You know, like right. – but if we're trying to build something here – and from what I understand, that's his hometown – I think that's where the incident actually happened. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I don't love the sound of that. And yes, he's a really good player. And any team would like to have him as a football player. But I'm not sure he's a better ball carrier than Chubb. I really like Chubb. I think he's a better receiver. But I wonder if the plan is have him have you know take the guy, he gets suspended, and then you trade him? I mean, that kind of crossed my mind, too. That would be kind of a saucy move. Yeah. I mean, you could go that route. It just, that seems to be a roll of the dice too. Yeah, right. Know, because what if it doesn't really pan out? And then you, what are you going to get for him next to nothing? And so was it really worth the PR hit you're taking right now and all the questions? And look, if you're, you know, we just talked about the whole Flacco situation. If you're Nick Chubb, how are you feeling right now? You know, if you're Duke Johnson, how are you feeling right now? And is he a better receiver than Chubb? Yeah, I think that's right. But is he a better receiver than, say, Duke Johnson? No. Maybe not. Probably right. not. It, it, so it, it's just a weird move at a position that isn't of need, at a position that in today's NFL is somewhat devalued anyway, because you could look around anywhere in the league and you can say, oh, you can get this guy off you know, free agency or off the street or this guy on day three and he can probably give you, you know, half of what Kareem Hunt, 75% of what Kareem Hunt gives you at lo- a lower cost and lower sort of extraneous factors. And, you know, yeah, a, a team like New England that's established that has shown the ability to bring in sort of questionable people, your Corey Dillons, your Randy Mosses, your Josh Gordons, even though Gordon didn't pan out at the end mm-hmm. and have that culture around him. You could see it working there, but here it's a question mark. And let's not forget, the Browns have become the it team now, all right? Oh, everyone's going to pick them to win the North. You're looking at Super Bowl odds right now, and it's Chiefs, Saints, Pats, and the Browns, because of the money that's gone in on them, are now the fourth best favorite right now from one book that I've seen. Yeah. Like, so there's going to be pump a the big spotlight there, on Cleveland. Yeah, obviously, he's pumping the brakes <laughs> there, but it's going to be a massive set of spotlights <laughs> on Cleveland. Is that the best moment and situation to drop this X factor into again? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't understand either one of these moves, to be honest, with within the, that we just went through. But can I, we at least say that we're sitting here, Valentine's Day Eve, usually when it's kind of the dead time before the combine, and we're not lacking for things to talk about. I know, it's crazy. I the mean, NFL just, has become uh, 365. In the last 48 hours or so, big news has happened. And there's one more news item here. And this is, happens to be another character guy, but it's one that I really feel bad for right now. 
Jeffrey Simmons reportedly tore his ACL training for the Combine. He's an, he's a first-round pick all day long, talent-wise. Defensive lineman out of Mississippi State. Um, talent-wise, possibly a top-ten pick. Had character concerns to clear up. I don't know if you've watched him or not, but I just hate when this happens. I mean, I feel yeah. so bad for these young men when somebody gets hurt like this. Probably going to miss his whole rookie year. And, you know, odd film, you know, I haven't studied him in depth, but I've watched enough to know this is a top 10 type guy. Yeah. And and yeah, there's the assault issue in the background. So you've got that to deal with and he'll have to address that. But now you've got an ACL on top of it. You know, I've seen people say he still he slides to the second round. I still think you're going to see a team draft him in the first because of what you've seen on film. And yeah, it might be a medical redshirt type situation. But I I know we're Raider makes sense. <laughs> Sit him for a year. You got extra picks. You know, Patriots right. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they've got Shelton. They've got Brown. They're probably moving on from one of those guys. Probably not both. But look, you look at they drafted Dominique Easley when he had two ACLs. Right. In his background, and they still. Sony Michelle wasn't out. clean coming out. Sony Michelle wasn't clean coming out, and so there are going to be teams that say, okay, if we're sitting here on the board at say 28, 29, 32, wherever, and he's staring us in the face. Well, the, the value there is just too good to pass up. And yeah, you might have to, you know, use somebody else for the first season. But if then that knee gets fixed up and he lives up to what we've seen on tape, I mean, that's that's a no-brainer, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's an ACL. It's it's not 1985 where that yeah. ends your career. You know, hopefully it's just one year and he comes back stronger than ever. And if you get him in the middle of the second round or whatever, you're really happy about it. And a year from now, you get an extra draft pick, stud, first-round type guy. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, but still, I feel bad for him nonetheless. At yeah, least it's, it's early in the process. At though. least it's early in the process. Yeah. So it's got to, he'll get in, get the surgery. And like you said, look, these ACL things, they're, they're not routine, obviously, but it's to the point where we're seeing guys come back the next year. I mean, you had Deshaun Watson come back, you had Weds come back, like, you know, a year later. And while they weren't probably, you know, 100% when they first started, you could see that, look, it's a new era when it comes to these ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. And so Simmons should be back, ready to go by his second year, you know, training camp, you know, preseason OTAs, all that stuff. So, yeah. And we might be really talking about him a year from now, like, wow, the Eagles have Simmons sitting in the background. It, so, yeah, it, right. Yeah, it'd be like getting an extra first round draft. <laughs> right. Pick, you know, a year, ahead, year later. Speaking of first round draft picks, we're going to talk about the two top quarterbacks when we come back. We'll be back in one moment. All right, Mark, I know you've been doing some work on Haskins and Murray. Um, Also, some news around Murray. I I don't know that I 100% believe him, but he pretty much has come out and said, I'm football only, I'm a quarterback. And I do believe him in that I think that's his first love. I think it's the smart decision. But I also think it's something you have to say if you're Murray right now. You know, that even if you don't believe it deep down, if you play a year or you go to camp and you don't like it, you call the A's back up. Um, and one thing I mentioned too, and I've been kind of standing on a soapbox and it's not really a weak limb that I'm walking out on, but I very much believe one of these two quarterbacks, Haskins or Murray will go in the top two. I don't think it's going to go D line, D line, you know, like we weren't talking about Wentz and Goff going top two history's just shown us that somebody's going to move into the top two to me and grab one of these two guys. What's your thoughts on Murray? First of all. Well, I mean, a couple of things, you know, we didn't think a Trubisky was going to go top mm-hmm. two, did we? And that happened. Right. And, you know, Goff and Wentz, that happened too. And, you know, last year we probably, we knew one of these guys was going to go early because the Browns needed a quarterback, but quarterbacks rise. 
even if you look at this draft class of quarterbacks and say it's a weak group, which that's a defensible argument. I know I might not go for fully the behind you on that one, but it's a defensible argument looking at this group. We still know quarterbacks are going to rise. And so, you know, I could see one of these guys going top two. I could see a team just saying, look, this is our guy. We've got to go get him. So that could happen. Sure. With Murray, I think he had to say he's all in because what did we talk yeah. about Super Bowl week? Other than the game, it was Murray's horrific interview with Dan Patrick where he was just kind of like, yeah, I think I'll go to the combine, you know, and it's just like you needed that buy in because if you're a general manager, you have to realize that with his baseball background and the the chance that, look, the A's are going to retain his rights. So if it doesn't pan out, he could just say, look, I'm out. I'm going to baseball. So you got to be sure he's going to play football, number one. And number two, if he does come in at five, nine and seven eighths, which Oklahoma's SID has said he's going to measure at. And he comes in at you know sub two hundred, although his agent is out there saying today that he's two hundred five. But oh, still, I don't believe that. I don't believe that either. To me, that worries me maybe more than the height. I mean, like he yeah. is not Russell Wilson. Russell yeah. Wilson's a big, sturdy guy that's short. This right. guy's Which, little. It, it, your best case scenario of your Kyler Murray is you go to Indy, you somehow hit five ten, and you somehow right. hit two hundred five. Because then you're Russell Wilson. Yeah. If you're, you're under 5'10 and numbers. under 200... You're Doug Flutie. You're Mark Schofield. Like, Doug Flutie slash <laughs> yeah, Mark Schofield a, ain't getting drafted top 10. Let's you're a slot corner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're and, a little person. So, right, yeah. It's... Those are the... Those are the obvious red flags. As a passer and as a quarterback, I think that the talent is there to say he might be the best in this group. Mm-hmm. I think... He's probably more advanced as a passer that he's getting credit for. I think he does some things with anticipation and timing, uh, you know, touch and things like that. Great arm, easy velocity. Has a little bit of a windup at times when he wants to dial up the RPMs. But Wilson and Mahomes, they do that too. These these baseball guys, they'll throw from any platform. They'll throw from any arm, arm angle, and it works for them. And so I'm not, like, worried about mechanics or anything like that. Interestingly, he does do a pretty good job of giving himself up. You know, there have been times when you see him take off on designed runs or scramble drills where he's just he'll get 16. He could probably fight for more. He's like, nah, I'm done. You know, I love hearing that because I think Wilson's the master at that. And it scares the heck out of me with Lamar Jackson. Oh, it terrifies me with Lamar because, look, you could fight for extra yardage on Saturday against, you know, NC State. Mm -hmm. You can't do it Sunday against Denver. You know, that's going to get games. Right. Yeah. No way. It doesn't matter. Look at Wentz. You know, that's how he got hurt, you know, mm-hmm. fighting for extra yardage. And so you got to learn to give yourself up. And he's really Lamar's small. to learn that. Murray's already there. So I love that he does that. You know, things he'll need to clean up. Like, he stares down first reads a ton. He's not a natural manipulator. It has to be sort of schemed in. He's not great at looking people off yet. And so you're going to have to have some system, you know, scheme things in there to help him, him in that sense. But, like, talent-wise, I think the talent is there. The issue with him, though, is does what he brings to the table – as a playmaker, outweigh the process. And I'll give you a quick example. There was mm-hmm. a play he had against Army. It's a curls concept. It's a third down at like the plus 33 or so. And he's reading the inside curls. He reads the one number two to the left, and that's covered under the defender. gets under it, linebacker gets under it, safety over the top. Then he comes to the guy on the right, and that guy falls down. So he starts to break and climb the pocket. Now he flushes to the right. The curl from number one on the right is wide open because he's got it's a quarters coverage. He's got no safety help, so the corner's deep. Every other quarterback in this class, I want to see him keep the eyes downfield and throw that curl, move the sticks, first and ten in the red zone, right? Take it, right. No, not Kyler Murray. He tucks and goes. And you've got four 
you know, two linebackers and both inside safeties now, they have the angle on him. And yes, it's Army. I know what people might say here, but he outruns everybody, erases the angles, runs it into the end zone for a touchdown. And that's a fantastic play. And so does what he Fans brings, are cheering. Yay. You're Heisman. Are, right. Yeah. Is that the right process for an NFL quarterback? Probably not. Any other quarterback, I'm saying, look, you got to throw it here. You're not outrunning these guys. And so will that work on Sundays? That's the ultimate question with him. Does the do the results outweigh the process? And somebody's going to look at that and say, yeah, they do. And so somebody will draft him in the first round. I'm not sure it's Cliff at one, but somebody's going to do it. No, I don't think he's going to be a Cardinal. I do believe that the Rosen thing is real. Uh, we're going to save Haskins for another day. I mean, we've we had so much to talk about him out of the blue. But I do have a couple of Murray questions for you. And I think you just answered one of them. One was, I think he's been too quick to run. And boy, does it work. But, yeah. you know, maybe his coaches are telling him to do that. I mean, we don't know that because, boy, does it work. Compare him to a runner to Lamar. Who's faster? Who has better acceleration? Um, I don't think Jared Allen's a comp in terms of their running style. I think it's more right. of a Vic Lamar type guy as yeah, a runner. I, I think, you know, I think Murray's a bit more explosive. I think Murray's a you know, a bit more of that sort of angle eraser. Mm-hmm. I think Lamar's got better sort of short area quickness and change of direction ability. And so Murray's going to give you that like scramble for a first down on like third and 10 and give himself up. Whereas, you know, at times Lamar seems like he's going to try to house everything and try to make, you know, make the big time splashy run. He might give you some losses of two and every once in a while he might pop one and every once in a while he might get popped trying to get that additional yardage. And so I think they're sort of different runners in a sense, but I think Murray's more explosive, but in terms of like jukes and, you know, getting somebody out of their cleats and change of direction and stuff, I would give the edge to Lamar. See for a quarterback though, if I had to pick between those two traits that you just laid out, I'd rather have yeah. Wilson's running yeah. style. Yeah. You, know, you know, for for obvious reasons, staying healthy and just get out of bounds, be smart, accelerate, boom, first down, wow, you know, move the chains. Yeah, I mean, the number of times in just watching like five games so far of Murray where he could easily get more yardage. He's, okay. you know, in the middle of the field or he's approaching the boundary, but he cut it up and get five more and he just slides because he's a baseball player. So he knows how to slide. That's the interesting thing. I know we're going to say Haskins, some people don't know how to do Haskins that. Haskins doesn't know how to slide. You know, Murray does. He'll just slide and give himself up. And it's like, okay, I get why you did that. That's self-preservation. It's a business decision. But you're going to need to make a lot more of those come Sunday. Yeah. But you would say Lamar has a better chance to break the ADR. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Because of his willingness to and style. Yeah. Yeah. Last question on Murray. We're going to wrap this up. He's a better passer than Lamar or Allen from a year ago, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, clearly, right? And you know, what's, what's really interesting about, say, a Murray versus an Allen is with Allen, everything was the fastball, okay? Right. Every, every hammer needed a nail. You know, every nail needed a hammer. Every throw needed a fastball. With, with Murray, he almost relies on touch, I'd say, almost too much. There, there was an RPO throw he had against TCU where he's throwing that X slant in the red zone. And rather than drilling it in there, which he could have done, he tried to sort of loft it over the cornerback and trail coverage and it got broken up. But he makes a ton of bucket throws. He's, I think, more refined as a passer, mm-hmm. uh, certainly than Allen. Oh, I would and, think, you know, yeah. the anticipation stuff, you know, and it's not just, you know, any quarterback could throw that sort of X iso hitch against cover four. And it's an easy, you know, anticipation throw because you get it out, you know what you got. He's making anticipation throws in the middle. Like he's throwing like Y sit 
on mesh concepts when he knows he gets that zone coverage before the break comes and oh, stuff wow. like that. Okay. So he's far more guys, advanced than than Al. Yeah, he's, right. and, you know he's making throws where he's got that dig route coming and he lets it go before that dig route clears the underneath linebacker. So he's basically throwing him open. He's doing stuff like that, which not a lot of people are talking about. But that's the advanced type anticipation that we're not seeing from a lot of these other guys in this class. No, that makes perfect sense. It's good analysis. Um, let's do it again next week, Mark. This was a blast. Yeah, um, we had a lot more things on the list, but a bunch of news broke we had to discuss, so it was a fun show. Always, my man. Always love being with you. It's always fun. Going to be looking forward to Wednesdays every single day, every single week this offseason. Absolutely. This is a blast. Folks, I will be back tomorrow with Mike Sando. I'll probably ask him about Hunt and Flacco as well, and who knows, maybe there'll be late-breaking news in the next 24 hours too. So over and out.